0: you are listening to Press Church Podcast, please enjoy this week's message. Amen. I'm going to continue on in the theme of what I believe is going to be a theme for me personally, but also for the church in regards to the word victory. In regards to the word victory, we talked about last week that I'm going to see... A victory. If I'm, if it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, that I walk by faith and not by sight. So I choose today, if I'm going to see anything in my life, what I'm going to see is a victory. I'm not going to see the destruction or the death or the frustration around me. I'm going to see a victory. And I want to talk a little bit more about victory. And the title of the sermon is The Victory of is His. The victory is His. We all, in some way, shape, or form, need a victory in our lives. And if you don't need a victory in your life, well, congratulations. Come pray for me so I can get through and get the victory that I need in my life. A majority of the things that we need a victory for is something that we cannot accomplish or overcome on our own. If I can do it on my own, then it would have already been done. And I would assume that's the same in your life. If I could have already got this thing to stop, if I could have got this thing to change, if I could have got this thing to turn around, then it would have already been done. I've already, I would have done everything that I could to make it happen. But I can't, so therefore I need somebody else. I need something else to intervene in my life to help me through this And give me a victory. You see, we receive the benefits of a victory. But make no mistake that the victory was created and then given by God. The reason for the victory by God is not just for your enjoyment, but to give all glory to God. The beauty of receiving a victory from God, and as we're going to talk about today, is that God has already created a pathway for you to experience that victory. He's already worked the things to help you get victory over that situation. So therefore, my response should be to praise him for the victory that's coming. We're going to talk today just a little excerpt about the story of Moses in the Red Sea. You see, Moses has been called to free the Israelites from Egypt. He shows up back in Egypt ready to let his and free his people from the bondage that they've been in. He brings his brother with him, Aaron. He's got his staff with him. And he starts working with God's help these miracles in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Remember, throw down your rod, it turns into a snake, pick the rod back up, turn, pick the snake back up, it turns back into a rod. And these 10 plagues hit Egypt. The biggest, most sophisticated, strongest civilization on the earth at that time is brought to its knees by 10 little old plagues. A couple of frogs, the river turning to blood, remember Those. And finally, Pharaoh has had enough when his firstborn is killed by the death angel. And he tells them to leave. Get out of here and go. And as they are leaving, the Lord instructs Moses to tell the Israelites to knock on the doors of the Egyptians and to plunder them as they're leaving. Take everything that you can from them. These people are sad. They are broken because their firstborn child has died. And here comes Mr. and Mrs. Israelite knocking on the door. They say, hey, I know you're sad, but that's a beautiful necklace. I'm going to go ahead and take it with me. Thank you. That's a, that's a, that's a, a, a beautiful TV you got in there. I'm going to bring it with me to the desert. I, I really love the PlayStation 5s. I'm going to go ahead and take that with me. You've got a Tesla. I'm going to drive that with me to the promised land. And it says in Psalms that as they were leaving, expected to be anywhere from a million to two million people, it says that there was not a feeble person among the Israelites that was leaving bondage and slavery. Now these are slaves. These are slaves who have not been fed good. These are slaves who have been overworked, who have been overbeaten who have been tormented in every way, shape, and form. There was no HR that the Israelites could go to in Egypt. Excuse me, the slave master, he beat me way too much today while I was trying to make the pyramid. There was nobody to complain to. And it says that as they're leaving bondage, as they're leaving Egypt, there's not a feeble one among them. God instantly, miraculously heals, restores, and strengthens over two million people and then blesses them As they plunder and steal everything from the Egyptians as they walk out. That's a pretty big victory. They've been in bondage for 450 years and they've been told that a victory is coming. They've been told that a savior is coming. They've been telling... uh, generation after generation, there's somebody coming to free us. It might not be during my generation, but somebody is coming. And Moses shows up. All of these plagues happen. They are leaving bondage. They are leaving Egypt. The victory is theirs. And they come up to another battle, to another struggle. And they're standing on the edge of the Red Sea. And behind them, is the Egyptian army because Pharaoh snaps out of it and he says, I just let two million of our free workforce go. Go get them. And he says he sends 600 chariots with his captains of his army to go and chase them down. Now you would think, looking on this side of the Bible, that the the Israelites would have said, I can't wait to see what God's about to do. He's about to destroy the, the Egyptian army. He's done all of these things to free us over 450 years of bondage. He's going to do something miraculous to free us. But that's not what they do because they do what humans do What you and I do, we just come out on the other side of a victory and God has done an amazing miracle and we're on this spiritual high and then we fall on our face again because we come against another battle and we say, God, where are you? I knew I should have died in Egypt. Moses, what are you doing? You brought us out here to die. Let's go back. You just saw all of these works. But they couldn't throw the gold that they had stolen Even with all the vigor that they had, they couldn't swim across the Red Sea. They were stuck, once again, between a rock, not a hard place, a sea. And what do you do when you need a victory? The walls are closing in. You're trying to breathe. You're trying to stand tall. But you're breaking. You're falling down. You're wondering, how do I overcome these things. A victory is needed. A miraculous victory is needed. God's intervention is needed in the only option. Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14 are the scriptures that we are going to focus on. Exodus 14, 13 and 14, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Verse 14 says, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Amen. Let's look at the first part of Exodus 14, 13. I'll call it A. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. You see, this is Moses' M.O. This is is, uh, what Moses does, is he gives instructions, he gives laws, he gives rules, he gives things that he's supposed to do. In John chapter 1, verse 17, the beginning of John, it says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. All Moses does is give laws. All he does is give rules. And what he says in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, is don't be afraid, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Moses starts giving instructions and laws to the people on what to do. And these, we're not going to lie, are great instructions. Don't be afraid. That's a pretty good instruction, right? Be at peace, stand still, See the salvation of the Lord. All of these are action verbs, which could make us think that in order to see a victory in our lives, that there's some type of action that we have to do or some type of inaction that we have to do to make the victory happen. But today, I want to encourage you and remind you that the victory is His the victory is God, that there is no amount of action or inaction that can be done to accomplish the victory that you need in your life because I want to let you in on a secret that the victory has already been completed. It's already been done. So how can I do something more to obtain something that's already been given? Moses is there doing what Moses does, and he's giving the law to the Israelites, but if you read further down, I don't have the scripture listed, God actually tells Moses, tell the Israelites, move forward. Moses said, stand still, don't be afraid, and God said, no, keep moving, move forward, go toward the water, because there's a victory, there's something that I want to do to help you. But we think that there's all these actions, all these things. Well, if I read my Bible, if I go to church, if I give money here, if I stand on my left leg, if I stop standing on my right leg, if I throw salt over my right shoulder, then I'll see the victory. Then I'll get God's attention. But God's already there. He's already moving. He's already done things in your life. He's already given you the victory, and he wants to give you the victory again. It's already presented. It's already available. These actions do not influence or change God's mind to help or provide a victory. God was willing to give the victory to the Israelites that day. And he wants to give you the victory today, not based on your action, but he wants to give you the victory based on what his son's actions were. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 13, 14, and 15, there was nothing that the Israelites could do to get out between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army. No matter what they try, no matter what they do, they were stuck there, and God had to intervene. And you also were stuck in between the Red Sea and not the Egyptian army, but the devil's army. Look at this. And you being dead in your trespasses. How can a dead person do anything? Have you ever been called to go to the circus at the place where they place the dead? Hey, come on down. We're going to have a basketball game at the cemetery. We're going to have a circus at the cemetery. We're going to all go have fun at the cemetery. No, 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 because there's dead people there, and dead people don't do anything. There's nothing that they can do. And it says here there's nothing that you can do. And you being dead in your trespasses, that's pretty bad. And then Paul just slips in. And the uncircumcision of your flesh. Oh, okay, Paul, we're already dead. But look at what God does. I will always encourage you and remind you that God is a God of abundance. And God is a God of more than enough. And God could have done the bare minimum, and that would have been great. But he didn't. He did more than enough. And he, he being capitalized, has made alive together with him. If, we, if Paul stops the scripture right there, can we all agree that that's a pretty good thing? I was dead. I could not come back alive. There was nothing that I could do. And God decided by sending his son, he was going to have a victory occur by making me alive again. But that's not all he did. Having forgiven you all your trespasses. Those are two pretty big things right there. I was dead, he made me alive, and then he forgave me for everything that I've done and will do. Praise God. Look at verse 14. Wasn't good enough. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements. Remember through Moses, the law was written. All the actions. You do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. All of these things in the law, God decided, I'm not going to put that on the people I'm going to wipe out the handwritten of requirements that was against us, us being Gentiles, which was contrary to us. Why do we as Gentiles get so caught up in following the law and looking at what the law says? It says that it was against us. It said that it was opposite of us. It said that we weren't even involved in it. And God decided that he was going to kick it out the way. Which was contrary, it's had taking it out of the way and nailing it to the cross, completely removing it away from us. Look at verse 15. We're not done yet. So he made us alive. He forgave us our sins. He made sure that the old covenant did not apply to us, it didn't fall on us, we didn't have to deal with it, except the good parts. In him, all the promises of God are yes and amen. He said, I'm going to take all of the thing of the Old Covenant away from the Gentiles, but what I am going to leave is the blessing part. That's a pretty good deal. Verse 15, having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. He already has the victory. He did all the work, took care of everything, and the victory is his. And we just get to experience the victory. He's already taken care of it all. Disarmed principalities and powers. Made a public spectacle of them. And triumphed over them. Triumphed over them. No ifs, ands, or buts. God provided a way for the victory to happen. He provided the victory in that moment. And he expects and deserves the praise, honor, glory, and thanks after the victory has been provided to you. Yesterday... It's a cold weekend. My wife made a gumbo for us. And so early Saturday morning as I started to work on my sermon, I could hear her in the kitchen. She made a chicken and sausage gumbo. And she cut up all the vegetables. She started smothering those down. She cut up the andouille sausage and started simmering those. She cut up the chicken, started cooking the chicken she put it all together. She made the roux, made the stock, started stirring that, put the seasoning in. So we've got chicken, we've got sausage, we've got roux. This smell is permeating through the house. She's letting it bubble for hours and hours and just cook all together with all those wonderful things. She made the rice. She decided to make potato salad, so she skinned all the potatoes. She cut all the potatoes She cooked the potatoes. She got the eggs, boiled the eggs, peeled the eggs, cut up the eggs, put them in the potato salad, put in the mayonnaise, put in the mustard, put in the paprika, put it all together. She does all this work all day. And the football playoffs started. I said, you know what, I'm going to go get a bowl. She did all the work all day. And all I did was enjoy the benefits of that bowl. Fixed a bowl, sat my butt on the couch, and ate, and ate, and got another bowl, and ate, and ate. Did all the work. And all I did was sit there and enjoy it and tell my wife, thank you, I love you, you're so good, this is amazing, you're the best. Jesus, Jesus, through his son, has this huge plan but for the foundations of the earth, the lamb is already slain. He moves all of these people, he does all of these things to get Jesus to be born through Mary with Joseph there, to live a perfect life for 33 years. And he's got him in the garden, and he's got him in front of Pontius Pilate, and he's got him at the whipping post, and he's got him on the cross. And he brings him back from the dead, and he brings him back up into heaven, and then he establishes the Holy Spirit on the earth, and he builds the church, and he's managing. He's doing all these things because the victory is yours. And you can have an experience to sit there and enjoy it. And all you have to say is, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your freedom. Thank you for everything that you have done because the victory is his. It always has been. It always will be. I just get to take a benefit of it and experience it. God, through Jesus, has done all the work and the action. And your reaction is to only receive and thank him. Oh, she's going to be mad at me. We got to go, boys. Here we go. The second part of Exodus 14, 13b, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. For the Egyptians who you've seen today, you shall see again no more forever. Let me ask you a question. What if the thing that you've been struggling with, the thing that you've been trying to overcome For years and years and years. The Egyptians have been dealing with the, the Israelites have been dealing with the Egyptians for 450 years of bondage. And God says, as they are standing on the verge of leaving Egypt, you will never see them ever again. Because that is the type of victory that God works in. He doesn't save you for this week. And then you fall and do something and he said, well, My blood isn't strong enough for that. I mean, I've never seen a human sin that much in one week. I'm not touching him. Let him deal with it for two weeks, and then he'll come back to church, and maybe I'll forgive him. I'll think about it. not going to answer your prayers. No, no, no. God's victory is a forever victory. God's victory has forever been established and taken care of. He doesn't deal in the time frames that we think of. If I could just make it a year then I'll be all right. Well, I've been free from it for two years now. No, no, no. God's victory is a forever victory. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. Look at this. The writer of Hebrews is quoting a passage from Jeremiah, and he says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Time out. Let's stop right there. Let's agree right there. That's a pretty good God, right? I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. I've been unrighteous before in my life. I don't want to shock you, but I have sinned in, as your pastor, I have failed in certain areas of my life. Not perfect. If I don't land this in five minutes, you're going to see how unperfect I am, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. But that's not who God is. God does exceedingly abundantly above more. And their sins and their lawless deeds, forever victory. I will remember no more. Isn't that beautiful? I don't have all the scriptures to provide to you. You just have to trust me in your reading. In the scriptures, it says that God's name, God's throne, God's covenant, God's kingdom, God's word, God's love, God's mercy, and his victories are forever. There is a scripture for each one of them that says God's name is forever. God's throne is forever. God's covenant is forever. God's kingdom is forever. God's word is forever. God's love is unfailing and forever. God's mercy is forever. And his victories are forever. So whatever you're going through right now is temporary, but the God who saved you, his victories are forever. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6, talking about Jesus, but now he, talking about Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. God created a better covenant, better promises, and you get access to that. Praise God. How much more does God want to bring the victory into your life since his son is the one who paid for every victory you need? If God was so focused on doing a victory for the Israelites at the Red Sea, how much more does he want to bless you, help you, and see you succeed on the other side of the new covenant that his son did all the work? You can pause and focus on that later. Here we go. God wants you saved from spiritual, emotional, and physical death. God wants you to be an overcomer in all things since it further proves the price that Jesus paid for his humanity. Listen to this. The more people see you overcome and achieve victory over this world, then the more people will turn and glorify him. As God is pulling his people out of, Israel, out of Egypt, He is their God. He is the representation. These are my people. I am their God. Therefore, God is not going to let his people suffer. He says, so I'm going to bless you for all the work you thought you did for free, and I'm going to heal you as we walk out into the promised land. And as people see us throughout this world, they are going to know that I am your God and that I take care of you and that I win all the battles for you. Because all the glory goes to him. His name is not going to be tarnished. He's going to take care of his people. In Exodus 14, 18, if we drop further down, this is what God says. Then the Egyptians, at that time, the most important group of people on the planet, then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. God says, the reason I'm about to do this victory for you is, yes, for you to have a benefit, for you to live, go to the promised land, do all the things I promised. But it's also for the other people to know that I am God. And I'm going to take care of my people. I'm going to be victorious. There's no Pharaoh. There's no group of people. There's no kings. There's no devil. There's nothing that is going to come against me that is going to beat me. God is undefeated in every battle. He has won every battle. And so if we partner with him the victory is his and I get to experience his victory and I just get to say thank you for him in John chapter 3 yes. verse 17 you know verse 16 but look at verse 17 for God did not send his son into the world to condemn but the world through him might be saved He didn't show up to condemn the world I can't believe you did this you're such an embarrassment you're such a joke Such a failure, such a loser. He didn't come to condemn, he came to save. He didn't come to condemn the Egyptians, he came to save the Israelites. Just so happens the Egyptians got condemned underwater in the Red Sea. But what he came to do is save the Israelites. What he came to do is save you and me. And the more people see him saving me, the more people are going to come to you and say, There's something different about you. What happened? I've seen so many people fail when that happened, when that circumstance happened, when your marriage failed, when your kids failed, when your job failed. I've seen so many people turn and run away, turn and cave in, but there's something different about you because God is on the inside of me. The hope of glory is on the inside of me. He is strengthening, challenging me, encouraging me, and he's given me the victory And the more people see God victorious in your life, the more it's going to pull them to look up to heaven and receive the victory in their lives. Uh, In December, our church pipes burst. We have pipes for our uh, uh, tankless water heater on the outside of the church on the backside there. And on Christmas Eve, right before we started the service, uh, Kale was throwing away some trash for us. And he came back in here right before we started the service. And he said, there's water spraying everywhere outside. I said, I don't know what that means. There's, there's, there's nothing out there that, that should be spraying water. So I'm like, so I go out there, I open the door and there's just water spraying everywhere. And so I tried to be like Moses and part the Red Sea. So I didn't get wet as it was freezing out there. So we turned off the hot water uh, Christmas day happened I came back up here Monday morning And when I came up here Monday morning There was more water Spraying everywhere uh, Back there And so I called Alan uh, I called the mayor I called everyone I was I need help Because I didn't know What to do I didn't know where The, ter- the water turnoff valve Was for the building I didn't know where anything was, and there's just water everywhere. I'm going inside here, making sure that there's no water inside the church. Went to the pharmacy over here, asked them if they knew where the cutoff valve is. Nobody knew where anything was, and there's water spraying everywhere. It's like 20 degrees. I'm soaking wet. I didn't know what to do. It's just, it's out of my control. So I called a plumber to come and fix the pipes. He came a couple days later, we turned the water off to the building, we finally found the shutoff valve, we know where it is now if that happens again. And I called the plumber because I knew the plumber knew how to fix the pipes. I wasn't expecting in my moment of need and the plumber showing up, I already had my hands on my hip looking at it, I don't don't know, there's water coming out the pipes, it should go up the pipe, not out the pipe. (laughs) Now, I would have been scared, worried, frustrated if the plumber stood next to me with his hands on his hips. I I see that. That's crazy. I've never seen water come out of a pipe like that. I "I don't know what to do. I said, well, you're the plumber. You should know what to do. And he said, you're the pastor. You should know what to do. But no, I called the plumber because he knew what to do. He had experienced this before, especially that weekend, especially that month. He he knew how to fix broken pipes because I called the person that I knew how to fix it. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, he came to save us. That when we need a victory in our lives, I'm going to go to the one who is undefeated, who knows how to get the victory. So when I go to him and I ask him to help me, I don't expect him to be like, I don't know what to do. You figure it out. I've never seen that in all of humanity. None of the angels have ever heard of that situation. No, he's been with humanity this whole time. He's seen what God, he's seen what he himself has done through that. He knows how to help. He has the Holy Spirit inside of us who will lead us and guide us into all truth. He is going to help us through the victory. So we should call on him and receive the victory that he has for us. And the last thing I have, and we're going to fly through this. Here we go. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Moses is telling his people, the Lord is going to fight for you. He's going to fight for you. He's ready. He's armed. He doesn't have to prepare. God's not calling up the army. Well, let's call up the reserves. They need us in Williston. Oh, we've got to, they've got to do some push-ups. They've got to go through boot camp. No, no, no. God is ready. He's armed. He's ready to fight for you. The moment that the situation happens, the moment that the battle starts, he's already there, he's already ready, he's already willing, and he's already brought the victory with him. So why, when something happens to us, does our first response always be, ah, I need to go back to Egypt. I can't believe I trusted God. I can't believe I read the Bible. I can't believe I went to church. I can't believe I prayed and asked him to help. He hasn't helped me yet. Why is he going to help me again? No, no, that shouldn't be our first response. Our first response should be, God's already here to fight the battle, and he hasn't lost yet, so I'm going to praise him in the middle of this storm, knowing he's going to bring me through it. God reaffirms this in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to save you. Praise God for that. Psalms 150, verse 2. I don't have it on my notes. I just have the reference to it. It says, praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. You can go back and read Exodus 14 and read the full story, but I'm going to give you a little spoiler as we're landing the plane that Moses does split the Red Sea. When they have the water in front of them, the army behind them, God makes a way where there seems to be no way, splits the Red Sea, they walk on dry land, they get on the other side, the Egyptians are following them, and while they're following them, God is, he's got a sense of humor. Because it says he's messing with the wheels of the chariot, and they're falling off as they're riding. These are soldiers, these are trained men who know how to guide those horses, how to ride those chariots, how to deal with a bumper bruise every once in a while, but God's just walking by and, oh my God, I don't know how to do this. And it says that the water came back down on top of them. As the Israelites stood on the other side of the Red Sea, completely dry, watching God perform another victory again. And I wish I could tell you that all of a sudden they became these mighty faith-filled people. But if you keep reading the story of the Israelites, they complained a little bit more. When they saw victory after victory after victory, but they don't complain right after. What they do in Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, you can read the full thing, is what we should do. Is they start praising God then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he is thrown into the sea. In verse 2, says, And the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Psalms 150 verse 2 says, I will praise him for his excellent and mighty works, his mighty acts that he's done. I might not see the victory yet, but I'm going to start praising him because I know that the victory is coming, and I know that the full armies of heaven is right behind him. When I worked in the prison, there was an incident that happened where we were in kind of uh, these isolated cells and this guy was, uh, he wasn't happy, let's put it that way. And he was in a single cell by himself and he wanted something and he wasn't getting it and he was beating on the door and making all kind of noise and chaos. And, and we've talked about this before. I, me being not the largest of humans on the planet, the lieutenant would always send me to go and try and reason with whoever the person was before he would bring the big Louisiana goons in to, to squelch the situation. And so I talked to this guy several times, and I said, hey, buddy, I, I just need you to be quiet. Um, you're, you're, you're angering my lieutenant. Uh, we want to help you, but there's some things that are going on that we can't help you right now. He wanted us to move him somewhere. and I said, we can't do that right now. And finally, by the second or third time of me trying to talk with him, he said, that's it. I've had enough. And he decided... Um, I don't know how to how to put this in a in a nice way. Um, he decided to to, to relieve himself uh, on the door that was blocking me and him, but the way that he was doing it, it, it was it was splashing and, and coming upon me, and, and 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 it wasn't a it wasn't a fun experience. And I, I asked the gentleman. I told him. I said, "You just made a mistake, and you shouldn't have done that." So I, I walked back to my lieutenant, and he says, Is "He going to be quiet?" And I said, "He's not," um, and, and he he also um, He also urinated on me. My lieutenant said, what did he do? I said, I'm just telling you what he did. He said, okay. He gets on the phone, and he says, I have a problem in this area, and we need to resolve it. I said, oh, no. And he hung up the phone. And all of a sudden, our sergeant came down, and one of our um, older wardens came down, and about four or five very large Louisiana Cajun men came down. And as I'm drying myself up and cleaning myself up, they went in to take care of what just happened to me. And it's one of the only times in that scenario where something happened to me. Somebody was coming against me. And I saw the full force of people who were backing me showed up. My lieutenant, my sergeant, and my warden showed up to help me through that situation. And God is on your side. And we think that if we just pray this little prayer that, okay, God, if you could just send like a little scrawny angel, maybe he can take care of something. But God wants to send every aspect and every resource. He sent his son to die for you. He sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. He's preparing a place for you in heaven. God has got the victory for you. And the last scripture I have, and boy, is she right. I'm Landing right where she told me not to. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 and 36. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Why? Because it has great reward. You know what that word confidence means in the original text? It means your voice, it means to not be silent. Do not cast away your confidence, for it has great reward. Verse 36 For you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Don't cast away your confidence. Don't let 2023 be the year that you're defeated again. Don't let 2023 be the year where you miss out again on the victory that God has for you. God loves you. God cares for you. God sent his son for you. God sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of you. God has released the angels all across this world to help you and minister to you and bless you and help you through your victory. God has sent you the word that you can read. God has created a church all over the world that you can go to and get built up, and encouraged. God has done all of these things for you to experience the victory, and do not let 2023 be the year that you don't experience it. Start now knowing that the victory is yours. I'll read this, and then I'll be quiet. Trust that God wants you to be victorious in this life, because he sent Jesus to obtain victory forever. So whoever believes in him receives the victory. The victory is his, and you get to benefit from it. So, thank Him before the victory and praise Him and give Him glory after the victory. Keep believing. The victory is His, and you're going to see a victory. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you. Father, we thank You for the victory. We thank You for the victory that You've given us. Thank You that You're on our side. Thank you that you're our cheerleader, you're cheering us on. Thank you that your scripture says you're praying for us, you're interceding for us, you're standing for us, you're protecting us. The Holy Spirit is inside of us, leading us and guiding us, not into more defeat, but you're leading us and guiding us into all truth and telling us of things to come. Father, I thank you for the people that are here. I thank you that 2023 is their year of victory. And as we experience victory, we're going to testify of the glorious things that God has done in our lives. There are physical healings that we are gonna testify in this church in 2023. There are financial miracles that we are going to testify in 2023. Father, there are relationship miracles that we are going to testify about in 2023. Father, there are experiences between our relationship with you and ourselves that we are going to testify that we saw a victory like we never could have seen. We were stuck between a rock and a hard place, and you made a way in 2023. I'm going to see a victory in 2023. The victory is yours, so therefore, I praise you. Whether I'm on this side of the battle or I'm on the other side, spoiling and stealing all things from the battlefield after the victory has been accomplished. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that they're blessed and highly favored, that you are on their side. You're protecting them, keeping them safe. Father, I thank you they are healed by the stripes of Jesus. They are the salt and light of the earth, the city set on a hill. Father, I thank you that you are blessing them and helping them spread this gospel message. Father, bring them back safely next Sunday in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week. Finish with a minute to spare. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at PressChurchSC and have a great week.